Uh, welcome to the podcast. I'm here today with Inez. We're going back to recording the videos. I, you know, I stopped recording them just because it's too much work. Um, and I, sometimes I don't have time and then you have to edit them. Um, but I'm just going to like not do the sound, right? Because usually I, I'm just going to like not make the sound. It's going to, you know, it has some AI stuff that normalizes the voices, uh, but I'm not going to do it as nicely as I do the uh a podcast and I'm probably not going to like cut out interruptions and all these other stuff that I usually do. So it won't sound as good, but if you really, really want to see the video, um, you're going to have that option available. Um, you know, assuming you're a paid subscriber and all that, otherwise you're listening to this, uh, on the preview. Uh, okay. Uh, Hey Inez, how are you? I'm good. Uh, we always see each other, but I guess everyone is seeing us now. Uh, I saw a bunch of comments asking for that, so I guess you got to give the people what they want. Yes, they do want to. They do want to see us. I don't know why. Uh, like I've said, like I don't like young people like watching people. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm listening for the content. They want to see the reactions and the and so forth. But okay, it makes. I mean, it makes sense. We'll give them what they I, want. I think there's a boomer Gen Z horseshoe on that. Like Gen Z likes to watch videos, and boomers like to watch yeah. videos because they don't like the disconnected audio. At least in my experience. It's a kind of a funny generational mm. horseshoe, and I think Gen X and Millennials are the podcasting. That's that's, that's at least that's very good. Yeah, it's sort of like cable news, right? You watch the you watch the cable news, you watch them talk to each other. Uh, maybe Gen Z wants that too. That's interesting. Yeah, and we're we're of the podcast age. Yeah, that makes sense. Like it's just just podcast is just a lot more convenient. Not against video, it's just like you have to sit there and like look at something. Yeah, I don't I don't really watch even when I'm quote unquote watching YouTube videos, I'm only listening to the audio because then I can do a bunch of other stuff. That's what I like about the audio revolution. And I know there are all kinds of implications of moving from a more both written and I guess video uh, in more recent times, but a more like written based uh, information economy to audio based. And mm -hmm. I think it's fascinating, especially given how much the printing press changed the world and Anyway, um, I, I think there are probably huge implications of it. But in terms of me personally, I, I love the audio revolution. I love the idea of Likewise, yeah. being able to do other things while actually learning stuff and thinking about stuff. Um, I mean, obviously, I think about stuff even without listening. But the, the, the one problem I have with it is it's, it, it's getting hard to schedule my ears because I love to listen to music. And I always have that like moment where like, well, do I want to listen to music or should I? But there's this new podcast that yeah. just popped up. I, I have that anxiety about scheduling my ear time yeah. what are you, what are your favorite podcasts what do you what do you like to go to i hop over a, a lot of them some of them for so I, I like megan kelly for the news um i used to listen a lot to breaking points i have not been able to listen to breaking points because of the israel palestine thing i can oh, listen wow. to philippe yeah, philippe is fine philippe yeah. is fine but uh have not been i just just makes me angry that's not what i want to do with my day um and then I flipped around. I used to listen a lot to Fifth Column, and that sort of dropped off. Um, I definitely listen listen to Spencer Clavin, Young Heretics. I listen to the Claremont Institute's what is, podcast. What is Fifth Column? I don't know that one. Um, it's like Michael Moynihan and um, oh yeah, Matt Welsh uh -huh. and uh, Camille Foster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that there's a rotating cast of characters, but uh, I, for some reason, I'm nothing clear. I just. I, it really just podcasts seem to cross my feed and then go. I used to listen to Glenn Rout Lowry every single episode of Glenn Lowry, and then it sort of dropped off because even though I really agree with it, um, what they say, and I think they're interesting discussions, a lot of times it does come back to the same subject over and over again. So I find a new 
uh, I never get bored of listening to, to Spencer Clavin, by the way, because yeah. uh, yeah. he's he, a lot of what he does is basically teaching the Western canon in the way that our degenerate education system no longer teaches it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I find that always edifying and I always feel like I've not wasted my hour by listening to yeah. it. But. Okay, cool. Well, anyways, um, what about you? We, uh, what about you? What do you listen to? What are uh, your, you know, New York Times, Washington Post, credible <laughs> sources of information? No, I'm serious. I do listen to the New York Times podcast. It's usually pretty good. Um, I, I feel like that explains a lot of our yeah, discussion. That's why I'm right so there. yeah. That's why I'm so misguided. Um, I listen. I was just going to say different media diet. Yeah, I mean that's yeah. And then there's uh, let's see. I'm just looking at my uh, podcast. Oh, there's something called Hardcore History, which only comes. Have you ever listened? It only comes out like every. Every six months there's like one five hour episode like every six months but it's like i help you like i'm gonna do the vikings now uh now i'm gonna do the middle ages it's like very very cool it's like five hours it's like an audio book but it's just like a guy talking to you named dan carlin that one i really yeah like. my my husband does a podcast or just started a podcast kind of similar to that but it's an hour every week or an hour and a half every week and it's him and sumatra mitra uh-huh. from american conservative and it's kind of the same concept they're going through trying to liberate history from the academy yeah. i think is the but the thing i really love is i love blocked and reported uh jesse signal and katie herzog oh i used to listen to that yeah re- another one that i dropped off for no like apparent reason not because i started hating yeah. it or anything just i yeah see, things seem to rise and fall in my feed that one yeah that one i listen to like when i'm tired of like everything it's just pure like entertainment it's just like these funny like horror shows of these leftists like eating each other alive so that's just like you know it's just like a fun sort of guilty pleasure i look forward to all of them you know, I like I like econ talk Katie, with Russell. Katie is Katie is extremely funny. They're both. I, she's uh, just a really funny person. She's funny yeah. too. I mean, don't you don't have to you don't have to we don't have to say we don't have to uh, downplay Jesse's sense of humor. Oh, just I think he's got to my play. personal like per, my personal <laughs> sense of humor or whatever. I just find Katie particularly funny. It's no shade on Jesse. I just think Katie yeah. is extremely funny. Yeah, and then I I like a couple of the economists, uh, but like I like Russ Roberts. I don't know if you ever listened to him econ talk. And then there's uh, no, the conversations so. with Tyler, uh, Tyler Cowen's thing um, is also good. I also listen to some Substack articles and some like Washington Post and Wall Street Journal articles. Sometimes I just listen to the news. Um, do you ever do that? You should just make a list of all the liberals you listen to and publish it just so that they get in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> I learned everything. I Yeah, I learned everything I know from the New York Times. That's true. Yeah. Anyways. Um, yeah. So. Uh, oh, by the way, I'm going to be traveling next week. So just like, uh, you know, house, I have something else scheduled. So we're, we're not going to be able to do one next week, but hopefully we'll be, you'll be here after Christmas that week of December 26th or whatever it is. Okay, cool. Yeah. So two weeks from now, I'll have another episode of something else coming up. Okay. All the housekeeping out of the way. Um, we wanted to talk today about my article, um, anti-surrogacy as totalitarian dysgenics. And I've been getting into the anti-surrogacy stuff. It's not something I would have written about if I wasn't on Twitter because I wouldn't have known anti-surrogacy exists to any particular degree and it wouldn't have come to my attention like again and again. And it's like you, you know, you know how the algorithm works. Like you, you argue with them once and then Twitter is like, oh, this guy loves anti-surrogacy content. Here's all the anti-surrogacy content on, on Twitter. And That's exactly the process by which the algorithm is driving us all mad. <laughs> yeah, and I look at the people like I'm arguing with, and they're not, you know, they're not usually not huge, but it's just, you know, it's it's out there. Um, so you have a different opinion on this. People can read my opinion. They can see my tweets. Um, just Just your thoughts on this. Yeah, I think I I come at this from a completely different ethical framework than you do, um, and some premises that we probably disagree with, even on the premise level. Like, 
for example, I think it's very obvious. Um, and I know that you're going to sort of put in a compound to this, which we can get in a minute, yeah. but I think it's very obvious that the best situation for a child to grow up in is in the home with his married mother and father. Okay. Biological I wouldn't, mother I wouldn't and father. disagree that much. Um, well, I, I expected you to disagree, not on grounds actually of like sort of family structure, but on genetic grounds that actually like there's a compound between behavior and genetics. Oh, there, of and course, don't know is. really what's responsible yeah. for. Of course, there, the, ever, there, what's there, inarguable yeah. is the outcomes. The reason for the outcomes, you know, there's a correlation causation not to be untangled. So um, even recognizing that, I mean, to my mind, both common sense observation and, of course, all the data on the outcomes shows that that's the best situation. Um, and also that, that I guess, two more premises. One, that biological ties matter a lot more than the modern world is willing to admit. I think um, that's true on on uh, the political level and and on the national level, perhaps more than a lot of than I would have wanted to think about uh, five years ago. I think it's a more complicated project, not an impossible one, and perhaps one with grander scope. Um, but I do think it's a more difficult, more complicated project to build a multi-ethnic, like actually not around the margins, but in the way that America or the Roman Empire were multi-ethnic. Uh, I think that that's a challenge. It's a challenge for um, for it. So I think biological ties matter. The, the biological ties that matter the most are obviously your direct biological ties. There's all kinds of evidence that especially unrelated males um, raising children present all kinds of dangers, even if we all know plenty of examples of wonderful stepfathers and gay dads and whatever, what have you. Um, there, there is just a statistical difference between people who have that deep biological instinct um, and people who don't. And uh, so I think it's wrong to bring a child into the world uh, knowing in advance that that's not going to be his or her situation, that you know from the second this child is thought of, is conceived, that that child won't have access to the thing that I think is so important. And we, we have so many parenting wars in the United States, right? It's like constant, you know, do you, do you uh, burp your child upside down or, or right side up? Like this determines his entire life, right? And I think all of those, a lot of those debates are overblown, but the one that I don't think is overblown is the importance of, of biological married parents uh, throughout childhood. And to the extent that that is by design not going to happen, um, I think it's it's quite cruel. It's putting the it's putting the interests of the adults and what they want above. You know, a child is not a pet. A child is not an instrument for the parents' fulfillment or happiness. It's an entire separate human being with its own rights and needs and demands. Um, and I, so, and then on top of that, I have a just basic skepticism of fiddling with, with natural and biological processes. Obviously that's not a, a universal skepticism. I do believe in, you know, parts of Western medicine, for example, I'm very grateful that antibiotics and, uh, and, uh, uh, what do you call it? anesthesia exist? I think they've been enormous advancements for humankind, but we've also made a lot of missteps when we started. We think we know more than we do. Um, human beings are very complex biological systems and tinkering with things, uh, that could be of so much import. I think I have an intrinsic small C conservative kind of skepticism to it. And I would want uh, a lot more sort of evidence in favor of it than I currently see for, for surrogacy before tampering with something that's so fundamental. So the first thing about 
biological ties. Now, not all surrogacy cases of surrogacy break biological ties. You could have a heterosexual couple um, that uh, hires a surrogate that is completely related uh, to male to the male and the female, right? So you could you could have that. That's that's something that happens. Um, the so like somebody's sister. Just to clarify what you're well, talking about, sister, like, uh, stranger. the wife's have, sister carries her egg and her husband's sperm. But it doesn't have to be. I mean, it doesn't have to be a sister. It could be anyone. Okay. The, just the point is, though, you'd still have the biological ties in that the sense that, like a male, like somebody's a man's sperm and a woman's egg come together, and like somebody else's uterus is basically, you know, you pay them for the uh, service of being pregnant, right? So that that happens. Right. But the, what you're what you're saying is, you, what you sound is like you're just against gay parenting, right? Because. I think a lot of this is anti-gay stuff because uh, two men can't have a baby, so it's going to be an unrelated male in the house. But anyways, the, the, but the, but the, uh, no. So for for it depends, right? It, it just depends, and um, I don't think the argument, any of the arguments I made, are unique to uh, gay marriage. Actually, what I, I would say, um, yes, by design, then you're missing not only the one parent will not have the biological connection to the child. But also the child will be missing either a masculine or feminine intimate influence um, in, in, yeah. in the home with an additional burden, right. which is not to say. So, for example, it's the by design part that bothers me here. Like it doesn't bother me and have no problem with the idea that, you know, two gay dads could adopt an infant who was orphaned by circumstance, for example. And because they're. The loss has already happened. You know, the child is already born into a world where he does not have his mother and father. And so the best possible outcome is mitigating that loss by giving him a loving home. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think creating the circumstances in which he's born with that loss, would he's you, intentionally would, deprived would you, of that. Be born, not, right. Would you rather be born with a 85 IQ and the two biological parents are 125 IQ with one biological parent because that's you know that the, the question is you're leaving people at a disadvantage. Where's where's the formal where's the formal line for retardation? I think it's I think it's, it's an easier question to me. Okay, so you have reached the end of the free recording for this episode of Clown Car. To listen to the rest of the episode, please consider becoming a paid subscriber.